0: I get it now. I don't want to admit to getting it. Yeah, right before we, I just pushed uh, record, I, I dropped a One Direction reference on that, so... we uh... just keep going. So the kid is
1: uh, uh, potty training. Oh. So it gets messy. Yep. But it's also, you stop putting him in a diaper for the whole day, and there's just no pants. And you try to train him to, so, like, when you gotta go potty, you let us know, and we take him to the potty. Yeah. So, whatever. That's happening. It's a whole process. Everybody goes through it. Whatever. I mean, clean up a lot of stuff off the floor. Anyway, also as part of our little rearranging thing that I mentioned last week, yeah, I found, you know, one of those Facebook Marketplace things, like a big, a nice big uh, cabinet. Yeah. Happy useful or not cabinet? What am I thinking of? Drawer, 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 big a drawer. Cabinet. Okay, uh, but a bureau. Like, is it the nice, like a big, like a nice big one with a mirror? Uh, okay, yeah, I think I know. What you're closed about drawer? drawer. What am I blanking on the? I bureau.
0: Bureau. It might. I don't think it's a bureau. Is it a cabinet? It's a cabinet. Fancy cabinet with mirrors. I no, know. but it's dro- like drawers. Drawers. Drawers with yeah. yeah. mirrors. Yeah. Okay. Bureau. Bureau. Yeah. Whatever. Found one uh-huh. of
1: those. Okay. Somebody she used to work with, like ten years ago, was putting it up for sale for fifty bucks. Sounds like a steal. Like, okay, let's go get it, right? So we borrow a friend's car who has a little Subaru. I like it. Okay. So we we go to grab it last night. We take the kid with... Oh, no. Okay. Well, I mean, because we both, you know, we both kind of got to So there's a whole, like, getting two cars to the friend's house to borrow the car. And then she drives over to this other place. We get there. Meet the, the couple selling it, you know. Nice, nice couple. I've never met them. My wife hasn't seen, you know, the lady for 10 years. They catch up and we're, and then they go, my wife and the lady go inside, and me and her husband, you know, start the manly art of uh disassembling yeah. this thing and loading it up. Okay, he has a screwdriver to take the mirror, the mirror is attached to the cabinet thing, okay, right? And so it's to transfer, I like it. Yeah. And when we get there and we figure even the Subaru, it's too small. Mm. So he's like, oh, we could put it in my truck if you. And it's like an awkward thing of like, yeah, it's the only way we're going to get out of here. But I feel bad because it's his truck and I don't know him. Mm. Like, mm, yeah, all right. So I'm like trying to be extra helpful. You know, he's, he's more, a so... driver. He's taking the mirror off. There's really nothing for me to help with there. But I don't yeah. want to like, stand around and not be doing anything. Yeah,
0: I understand. I, I understand.
1: Yep. So I start taking the cabinets out because oh, it's going to be easier smart. to load. So the empty drawers, I start taking them out. I get to the third drawer and they're getting rid of stuff. They're kind of downsizing. Yeah. And so I take the third the drawer out and I kind of get stuck on something and back it out extra hard. And right behind me, they have a bed, bed frame. Yeah. Painting or like, a, you know, a painting or something, piece of artwork and then a big old heavy mirror and i knock it all over like dominoes in a chain just boom 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 right so it was like a big crash and you could tell the guy was like oh no and i'm like oh i'm sorry like i i broke all their stuff i don't think the mirror broke too much i did see a little dent in it i don't so anyway so that happened yeah and, and the wife comes out you know, and he's like, are you ready? He's like, no, I gotta load it up in the stranger's truck. He's gonna drive it to our house. She's like, okay, well, Jack peed on the floor. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so one of those things where you like, do you think about from their perspective in the story of their life, we're kind of just the chaos characters. Oh, you're chaos,
0: life, pure chaos I, right now. I,
1: these guys came over, they got the cabinet for less than they could probably get for it. Broke a bunch, knocked a bunch of stuff Broke over. Broke stuff. It, and their kid peed on their floor.
0: And they didn't bring the adequate vehicle. Yeah. So. Three. 03. How far was the journey from the house to your house?
1: No, oh, 10 minutes. It okay. wasn't. It, I'm glad my wife knew the lady. Yeah. And she seemed fine. She seemed funny. Because he peed in the fireplace,
0: not on the carpet. Interesting. Good choice. If I had to pick one place where that would be probably like, oh, like the place to like, you know,
1: you're going to pee on the floor. And the thing is, because he's potty training, we threw a pair of shorts on him. Yeah. But he, you know, we didn't know he'd be out of the car. It was like a longer deal. Anyway, so, you know, we were just agents of chaos and
0: other people's lives. Yeah, that, uh, at the beginning of the story, I did. I thought for some reason you were going to tell like a a terrible story where you 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 didn't realize your son was behind you and you dropped it. I was like, oh man, this is a it's an intense story. But no, yeah, it comes around. Like- yeah, it's a connection. Um, does the bureau look good in the house? It's in the garage. You're gonna have to come over um, and bring it upstairs at some point. I was wondering. I was gonna say. I didn't know. I didn't want to. I was, you know, I've helped you move stuff before. You and I, teamwork. i gonna helped you gonna move help the, the your, stuff in your house that you are in now. You did,
1: like four years ago. So we have to rearrange and find room for it upstairs. Okay. I'll
0: hit you up. But now might if, help I, up now, now if I break it. anything, okay. Oh wait, 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 that's karma, right?
1: Yeah, if the mirror for this thing breaks, then yeah. Do we, yeah. Uh, Cause I we don't think you it, it out, straight. right? We should It get, didn't crack. I don't think the mirror- mm. They said, you know... That's not
0: good luck, though, man. That's not good luck, is it? Or well, I don't
1: know if it broke all... I don't think it shattered or anything. So when I knocked it all over, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. They're like, it's okay. Mm. Like, it's like, the mirror is the only thing we really care about. And it didn't shatter, but I saw a little... I couldn't tell if it was a dent or not. But
0: How did they say, it's okay, it doesn't matter? Like, was it f- with fatigue? Like, uh oh, I gotta... I can't... No,
1: it was. it was... With genuine
0: emotion and feeling, right? I couldn't
1: tell if it was genuine. It was like poker face. Poker like,
0: face. Uh, I oh, no, it's okay. It's okay.
1: The way I would, if something like that happened, I'm like it's all, right. it's all
0: right. And then at that point, did you say, uh, "I got a book podcast. I can get you some bookmarks if you want them."
1: You know, it did come up. I was making chit chat with the, yeah, you know, the guy as we were loading the stuff oh. into his, to his oh. truck. Yeah. I was like, "What do you do for a living?" It's like, "Well, I look after the kid and I do a podcast." I was like, oh, that's neat. Most people's like, oh, that's neat, and then they ask like, oh, what's it about? Say books, and there's usually this. This is 85% of the reaction is uh, so just like book reviews every week or what? They're like, they don't get it. Yeah. I was like, well, ideally, we we tell ourselves we delude ourselves into thinking we're gonna read all these Russians, but we really yeah. just read uh, uh, crime and fantasy books. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: It's a tub- he was like
1: neato and moved the conversation to change the subject. What does he do, by the way? I don't want to give too much away. He's like a fancy government guy, guy. muckety muck. Sorry, I broke your mirror.
0: Nice job. Your, your credit score is gonna be bad. Going to go in, he's gonna go into the government agencies and be like, "Hey, this guy with the the book podcast." Mm-hmm. N- knock his FICA score down. Whatever. I don't know if I use that term correctly. Um, book, he buddy, was a nice buddy.
1: guy. Actually, nice guy, know, though. If he decided to turn around and check it out.
0: Like, How long? Um, so your wife hasn't seen this friend in 10 years. Do you think it's another 10 years? Could be. Uh, and you bring your son back? And you're like, hey, guess what, buddy? I don't think you remember this, but you pee in their uh, fireplace. Are you in the fireplace? He's like, oh, my God. Why are you bring us up? No, he'd be about 13. Yeah. Embarrassing. It would be so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I think, are you looking forward to that? Embarrassing your, your kid? Yeah, actually, I am. Priya, yeah, just kind of get back. like, I've been I'm cleaning up after you. I'm going to embarrass you.
1: I'm looking forward is to it. Is her. that
0: frowned upon, or is that, I think that's builds character, right? Frowned upon by who? Oh, by, I don't know. Society. It'll, I think it'll just
1: be fun. Do. you know what you should
0: also do you should be the dad who spoils all the like classic movies for it i mean that would be awful that's me I saying that out loud you probably shouldn't do that but it just no no know. no
1: that's not i'm not going to spoil any movies i'm going to bring home old movies he's not, yeah. not going to watch this new stuff all he's going to be
0: watching these like the, the, the his friends are like dvds your dad has dvds he's like yeah we watch the godfather once a month we watch old world war ii movies yeah they're on multiple discs yeah. You no,
1: know, by embarrassing, I mean like I'll be wearing cargo shorts and those, you know, puffy white. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And just being
0: really loud. By the way, we had a we had a thing early, uh, maybe at the you know beginning of the year. We had this this goal to uh, on our Instagram to post a photo of, of of ourselves. We just post pictures of books and our dogs and and whatnot. Um I have one photo in our Instagram that is of me. Uh, you do not yet. Do you yeah. care to comment on that?
1: I don't know. I was checking out on doing kind of the jokey photos. Okay. Now, have you noticed some of the the, the more... Or the, like the girls who are into books and stuff, they have very nicely read. Sometimes if they're at the beach, there's a picture of their legs and they're reading a book. I wonder and, how
0: like, they do that, though. It's very...
1: with a camera?
0: They have the same camera
1: as us, but it's so much better. Yeah, well, that is more aesthetically minded. Anyway, but I'm saying, but you know those types of things where yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the book and you get a shot of the legs and stuff. I like it. Well, I'm just saying-
0: Oh, you don't want to show uh, your, your legs? Uh, no,
1: I've debated uh. doing that, but I have a pair of like water moccas- like water socks,
0: mm. like
1: goofy dad stuff, but I was chicken out. Like I'm reading Truman or a big dad biography. Yeah, yeah. And
0: just have a shot of my cargo shorts Oh, that would have been great. It could have been like Happy Father's Day. And then you're just reading like some biography and you're, uh, you're dressed in an Adidas tracksuit and everyone would know who, know what you're dealing with.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you get the joke? Do you get what I'm saying though?
0: Yeah, I got it. Be
1: funny. Instagram doesn't seem like the place to joke
0: around. It, you, uh, we can make yeah. whatever we want. Yeah, that's true. That I think sense. we should uh, have a barbecue. This in, in the last full month of summer. And then we could get just a back-to-back, you know, with each of us with a book in our hand. And we're like... We did that last year. We did the hot dog straw thing. That was gross, I will admit. It was kind of gross, and we got some
1: pictures, but I never posted them because it wasn't
0: for Well, my goal is I'll get my wife to to take a picture of us doing stuff. We'll we'll pick a good one, right? We're not going to just pick us looking, you know, bad angles and stuff like that. Good picture, post it. Get those likes up. Get the Patreon followers up. There we go. We'll their faces up there. We'll see if that does it. I'll do the leg shot. Oh, well. I'll do the I don't leg. know if that will help, you know. You think that'll help? Might. Yeah. And on that note, welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books and taking good pictures on Instagram. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, that's a good story you told always appreciate your stories. Uh, I have. A, I had a, if you didn't have an intro tonight, I had a couple just random bits of information to tell you. Uh, I'll write them down. Information number one, I made chili this week. That now, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar, Matt is a chili connoisseur. All right. Uh, you can ask him anything about chili and he'll give you a thoughtful and interesting uh, answer. Oh, let's uh, go. What'd you put in it? All right. bait. Uh, let's, I'm not going crazy here. All right. I'm not, I'm not a chili expert. I'm a chili amateur. Okay. We go uh ground turkey, all right? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, okay. Just I yeah, mean yeah. try to keep the comments to a, a lower tenor, please. Thank you. Uh onions, one chopped onion, sweet onion. Good. Uh some good old spices, you know. Okay. Tomato sauce, tomato paste and ground up tomatoes. Beef stock, carrots, uh, pinto beans, and black beans. Canned? Yeah. Canned? Yeah. Yes, canned. Okay, no, that's fine.
1: I'm just... Okay. Yeah. That's
0: uh, acceptable. I don't think I put anything... The My wife appreciated the carrot touch because she knows yeah. I don't like carrots and chili, but we had carrots, so I, I decided to add them in. Cool. Uh, eh, pretty good. I would have preferred a... Um, Maybe like a sweet potato or a, a yam of some sort maybe yeah chopped up something other like be- it was pretty good spices were on point uh, okay. nothing not too spicy but that's my chili review to you that's Any-
1: not bad it, you gotta do try to get yourself some nice ground beef or if you're gonna go poultry you get chicken thighs full fat fry them up in a skillet beforehand and then dice them up and then add them to the chili later. Oh, that's what I do. And then dump the butter. You cook the chicken thighs in into the chili too. Whoa. Right. So we're not going healthy, but that's, that's my, just no, yeah, I was
0: going a little bit healthy wise, you know, ground Turkey lean.
1: Yeah. Chicken thighs are healthy. Anyway, that's note number one. The other thing uh, don't skip on the garlic. When you cut up your onion, saute, just a, oh, a okay. ton of, chop a bunch of garlic in there too. I think I put garlic powder in there that works for that's a, for a beginner that's good but use actual cloves of garlic put them with the onion and um okay uh, just if you like the text mushrooms chopped up are don't good don't like
0: that i'm going to ignore that
1: okay okay i don't but like I the texture things. of mushrooms
0: all right but i appreciate your your um, your guidance the
1: carrots are an advanced move the carrots and sweet really? potato are kind of an advanced so that's good just God. don't skimp on the garlic and consider full fat chicken thighs
0: this time on the old instagram you're you're giving some of your secrets away to uh a, a good friend of mine uh kylie come, you were, yeah talking about how sometimes you don't even do meat or no you do three kinds of meat no beans no oh, beans yeah it's just like i i tried to i told my wife about that and she goes what she looked and i was like yeah you the know
1: option. you can do it it's pretty good
0: I was thinking maybe uh, at some point, just kind of throw some ideas at you and see what, you know, have you done these? Do these sound good? Maybe uh, like a kibasa, chop up a kibasa in there, get a little sausage in
1: there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's part of the three
0: meat. Okay. I was wondering. And your upper echelons, like ideally,
1: if I'm doing a big old good thing of chili, it's the chicken thighs, full fat. It's some bison meat. Oh, and it's sausage of some sort. Okay. Those are your three meats, not the beans. And then all your sauteed veggies.
0: I want you. I'm
1: yeah.
0: gonna make a request. And I think the, the listener and, and our fans on Instagram will, will like this request. Next time you make a nice good chili, all right? Mm-hmm. I want you to take a picture of it. You okay. can put you can put like a you can hold a book in front of it. You can we can make it bookish related, right? Okay. But I want you to show off your skills and, and kind of make me do a list. And then just like at the very bottom and be like, this book was also good too. Something like that. I do something like that. I won't be publishing the recipe. No? Okay. It's
1: all going to be, or like, I don't mind talking about it to people, but I'll never give the full thing. And I definitely ain't going to put it on Instagram.
0: Do you? Uh, I'm going to throw something out here. You don't have to confirm or deny it. Do you put uh, some brown sugar in there? No. Oh, okay. You could. Uh,
1: cinnamon sometimes. Cinnamon. For a sweeter... There's really, really spicy varieties you can do where you put jalapenos, and maybe in some seeds or ghost pepper, but my wife doesn't like the spicy stuff. So I learned you can kind of tone go down, tone it down, go all spice cinnamon cardamom type spices. And it's
0: actually good in a different way. Okay. Well, I think that that concludes uh chili corner. So that was something I was going to bring up to you. Another thing I was going to bring up to you, and this is bookish related, so don't worry. Um, I read a book. I th- I think you would like. It's a book that we could have discussed on this podcast, but I don't know if people really enjoy sports books. The book is called "Game of Edges," and it's kind of kind of loosely based around the idea of talking about in different sports all over the globe, uh, analytics and how it has impacted not just sort of the playing of sports and games, but also like how front offices work, how they interact with their fans, how do they gauge everything with the fans? Um, That sounds like a, that sounds like a Matt book, right? I would like that book actually. Yeah. Here's the problem, Matt. Huh? You and I follow sports, you know, we're big sports guys. Hmm. Yeah. You know. um, I think we know too much about sports, because we would read, I was reading this book, and some of the conclusions the author made, I was like, "Well, that's not track. That's not actually what." There was a lot of me going, "Well, that's not actually how that works." Like it- the Warriors yeah, yeah. also won championships because they got Kevin Durant to win two. Oh, like- right, right, right. Was and-
1: he day one because of the the analytic?
0: Yeah, and it- sometimes it, it makes it-, it. It felt like sometimes in a book where. And it made me wonder when I read nonfiction and I don't know the subject very well, and I just take the author's word, you know, like for as truth, how often is the author sort of making conclusions that aren't completely accurate?
1: Oh, that's a good point. I want to follow up on that. Cause so, A, do you think this is like a math guy? Maybe not more sports guy. And he kind of cherry picked, like, oh, I don't know. I don't think he was a math
0: guy. I think he was more of a magazine writer. could be i I could look him up but it felt more like partly the some of the issue it felt like the people who gave him access got glowing reviews Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot sometimes i'm like the praise that some people got there was no like you you would expect you know, if if a layman was reading this book who didn't know a lot about sports, that the end conclusion would be, oh, and they won a championship. But a lot of it's like, oh, and they didn't win. Well. But they just did was, it like a smart way.
1: That was kind of the same with money, uh, right?
0: Moneyball, like the the well, Tampa Bay like
1: rays. The A's are they haven't won a playoff yeah. series since that movie. In the movie, it is a great entertaining movie. And it kind of they had a good regular season. But you notice in the movie they had to make their 20-game win streak, like the dramatic arc, because they lose in the playoffs again. A's are terrible still. So that isn't like,
0: you know. And and the other conclusion, and the author does this, um, does make this kind of near the end, is is at what cost, like sort of entertainment-wise and also sports is a very, um, there's a bond between the team and like the community and the people that follow it. Right, mm-hmm. and it sort of like analytics makes all that moot, and sort of, for instance, like in like baseball, let's say, yeah, the plays in baseball have become very much like strikeout, home run type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the variety of of hits and, and plays are kind of minimalized now. They've tried to like change that, but it, it kind of the point is getting at is sort of the quote unquote like artistic. Merit and beauty of athletes at their peak has kind of gone out the window, like sort of everything's trying to be, you know, sent through a, a mathematical equation where the best probability is what we're trying to go for. And also it makes us sort of, um, I don't know, distant and like, not as emotionally connected to people. And I thought that was a good point. And I thought that was sort of the strongest point in the book. Um, because I, I kind of agree with that, where everybody tries to do the smart thing and it becomes very – for instance, basketball, everyone tries to shoot 53-pointers in a game. At some point, that's actually bad for the sport in itself in a mm-hmm. way. It's hard to like quantify, I think, but well,
1: – I, I, um, I'm with you. It takes the beauty out of the game, and it makes the games boring to watch because the Warriors also had one of the greatest – Three-point shooters ever. And when you don't have that, and everybody on your team's jacking up like 73s, it's actually boring to watch, especially if you don't go in. And so it becomes a you can have teams lose by 40 points in a playoff game. It's like, what's going on here? It's because every you know, you're hot or cold, and it becomes like a less, less entertaining product to watch, less beauty in the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And there's the other aspects, the parts I didn't know the most about was more like how front office has changed about how they dynamic pricing and all sort of the business side of it. I don't yeah. know. I, I think the, the book was supposed to be like, aren't these people great? And I was kind of like, yeah, they've kind of ruined some of the, some aspects of sports where it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, don't leave the pitcher in, you know, the batter seen him three that. times all this stuff that's like, yes, that's true. Right. But also, there's something cool about can, he, that can this pitcher complete a game? or The most unforgettable
1: thing that the analytics have done baseball-wise, I think, is when you remember a year or two ago, Clayton Kershaw was throwing a perfect game. Yeah. in the seventh. That's, that's terrible. Like, you can't – yeah.
0: Because in some aspect, and this – not to get too – I don't yeah. know. But it's, it's about, like, making memories. That sounds really corny. And it is corny. Like – but you know what I mean? Like if you go to a game and you're like, oh, they took him out because that was the analytical thing. And he had a perfect game through seven. That's I, awful. I would rather him game. be like, oh, he blew out his arm in the night, but he was going for a perfect game. And I, I was there with, you know, my, my brother and we were sharing. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of what people are drawn to. Right. Even if he blows it, that's still a story. It's like that's a story. The
1: ninth and then they home or Right. I mean. Can you imagine the Kevin Costner baseball movie where they pull him in the seventh because he's on a pitch count? Yeah. you has got a perfect game going, but they pull – hey, you know, keep that – that sounds like a fascinating book. Keep it in mind because when yeah, we the... get the football season on our Patreon where we do talk sports, yeah, I got some theories on how football doesn't lend itself to analytics as much as the other sports. It, they, he but, kind of
0: briefly talks about that just because of the amount of people involved and, in like, the individual battles. The randomness of the game yeah. itself. The
1: ball itself is harder to predict. You can't
0: predict where it goes because it's so wonky. So yeah, the book's game of edges, quick book. You know, under mm-hmm. two hundred fifty pages. And if you're a fan of sports, it's, it's a very fast read. You can read it in a couple of days. Um, it made me think about a lot of stuff. I didn't love like all the conclusions, and sometimes I thought, yeah, I don't know. it's Sort of, I, th- I think what sort of happened: the people that gave access to the author got sort of a lot of the um you know you know kind of stories told about them it mostly a positive manner um so that was kind of like a little i will say there's a great part in there talking about your manager from eight years ago ned yost ned yost yeah very anti like uh you know (laughs) analytics Mm -hmm. very confusing to the to the to the you know the world of analytics and sports and it was a very interesting thing, just because, like, well, he won, right? So that. we, we uh,
1: went to the World Series and lost in seven. And the next year, we were the best team in the regular season and won the World Series in five. It was great, and all the analytics people hated. We oh, stole bases, yeah. we bunted. It was a really fun team to watch, and exactly, they, you, yeah, it was
0: funny. It, it, the The kind of book talks about how he's more of a. um in, in soccer they call this the man manager like he's a very like personal thing like mm-hmm. sort of the science and the math behind decisions maybe is not a strong suit or he doesn't even care it's more of like kind of a feeling with this guy like I I think this guy can do this like that kind of manager yeah. more of a like almost an HR type thing uh but I, I thought that was a uh of course I thought of you when, when yeah, Ned Yost was uh brought oh, up but no. it was you, just you, a very interesting dynamic about um, we could get
1: into that. I loved watching the whole. There was a whole. There were the analytics. uh Royals fans were just they hated the guy so much. And at a certain point, it's like he literally can't do any better. Yeah, like, we won the whole thing. What else do you? What else do you want? Like it? it his way worked. Analytics aren't the be all end all. Yeah. You know, I mean, still a couple bases. We had a bunch of fast
0: dudes. It, it I think it also points out to how random sports is in a, in Sometimes a weird way. Sometimes it's just luck. It's about belief and sort of mm-hmm. believing that you can do something as a team in a weird way. And it's, it's yeah. I think it's a little bit more tricky to to put into terms why teams win mm-hmm. versus, I don't know. So well, that you was could make a whole uh life analogy there too. I know is
1: science or the rational part of of your brain all
0: there is or is there really something else i do i do appreciate sort of the idea behind a lot of it um as sort of a it's interesting to know but i do think it can go too far now people in analytics would be like that's it's impossible like it's, you can't have too much information it, like there mm-hmm. is a correct way on every decision maybe but i think um i don't know my uh Sort of creative, artistic part of my brain goes, no, that's not really the point of what we're do- why we're doing this. <laughs> not that's too- not the
1: point of sports. Yeah, I mean, we could we could do a whole analytics. Episode. Yeah, and maybe we will on Patreon.
0: Yeah, okay, interesting. Bookmark this. Come back. This is um, actually supposed to be uh <laughs> in the title of this episode. We're you know thirty minutes in here, and we haven't even discussed what we're we were planning on discussing here. Is we're discussing part one of of the Once and Future King. The Sword in the Stone by T.H. White, the famous um, fantasy classic that I had heard of, but didn't really know a whole lot about before we picked it. And by the way, this was picked probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. If you're a little bit confused about when we picked this book to read and we're not even done with the whole book, we're just, and hand up, it's my fault, Peter's fault right here. Oh, well, because he
1: sneaks off and reads these analytic sports.
0: Books. Yeah. I, I sneak off and I read all these weird books and, 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 matt goes you know i've i've had this done for a while and i got matt don't worry about it don't worry about it
1: well and so he, i listened to this again i i read it twice since we picked it okay
0: awesome. uh, i i kind of got a kick kick up the old rear end when your brother was like yeah this has been a while and i was like you know what that's very <laughs> he read it to <laughs> a kid someone other it. than you was <laughs> like hey can you read this because i don't know if you remember this i started the book and i was like i love this it's this delightful is isn't it? delightful yeah. Um, not what I was expecting much more humor and, and adventure tone. and the tone yeah. was different than I was expecting. Apparently the tone kind of changes in, in the other books. Uh, but the sword and the stone, I can understand why it's a classic. Um, I, I guess I didn't realize it was a, I would classify it as like a young adult, almost in the vein of a Hobbit. Um, yeah, so it's like age-wise, where I could see where the if you're a, a you know a young person that this would be a great entry point into the world of fantasy, and it's great for adults too. Um, but it, you know, it has this um, ability to have like adventure and storytelling, but it also has a message to it. I feel like that was sort of aimed at yeah. younger people in a way. Sort of when uh, our our hero kind of goes on these journeys and becomes different animals and learns from different animals i know that sounds like a weird way of introducing or if you're not familiar with uh, kind of the the king arthur story um but yeah a very uh well let me read you a
1: let me tell you go ahead th white himself this is from a letter he wrote talking about the sword and stone oh and we're doing we chose the once and future King whole big old book as a seasonal read a while ago and we're doing just part There's four parts broken up we're doing just part one the sword and the stone and so this is th white writing um about sword and stone uh it is not a satire indeed i'm afraid it is rather warm-hearted mainly about birds and beasts it seems impossible to determine whether it is for grown-ups or children Mm. Oh, even he doesn't know.
0: Um, it has a very playful quality to it that I like. Um uh, some absolutely just hilarious scenes in this book of Yeah. Kind of the bumbling character. Um the humor in it, I think, is it's probably one of its stronger um and it I don't know, it's very enjoyable to come into this book. I kind I know the names, Merlin, um so on and so forth. I didn't really know Robin Hood was sort of in this story. I don't I That might be just a, like, I don't know why he didn't connect the dots there. I did, did not know that this was where that came from. He's Well, no, he's usually
1: not, Robin Hood's usually not in the Arthur stories. Okay. But kind of one of the things that makes it kind of fun, and it was actually, I imagine it was a, it, it seems fun and delightful, and it is mm-hmm. reading it but I think it's a tricky how there were anachronisms and the tone is very fun and You could get away with kind of like mentioning modern things. Yeah. Because one of the premises Merlin lives backwards. Right. And it was just kind of all, but he threw Robin hood in there. Uh, it's, it's all very, I, I imagine it's, it's a, it could have been done poorly and taken out of the story, but the tone is so perfect.
0: It kind of works, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, it's. I guess anyway, going like, into yeah, it, and I don't. We don't often talk about like tone being the big selling point of a book, right? But it's. I wasn't expecting this, right? I was expecting more like a, a nut, the you know, straight. um I didn't expect like the playfulness of it, and I. I think your brother mentioned this when we had him on the podcast. Like it changes, like it becomes more of like an adult story in the later kind of books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, this we're only speaking about the sword and the stone, but I guess I wasn't expecting that, and it was uh a, like a delightful surprise that that's the book that we got right. And especially, um yeah. yeah. Go ahead.
1: Oh, the modern paperback editions have you know Once and Future King, and it's like an Arthurian saga, and it's got mm-hmm. a knight with a sword on the cover, kind yeah. of blue and black, black shadow, and you think, oh, this could be like a gritty, but it's actually pretty it's i think but what he meant when he said i'm not sure if it's for children or adults i think both enjoy it and the adults can kind of look it's kind of an idealized childhood
0: Mm -hmm.
1: nostalgia and so for th white it's you know medieval england where nothing really goes wrong and so robin hood's there and the evil witches and stuff and there's giants and they have all these adventures and animals talk and everything that's kind of what you sink into
0: um yeah i think it draws on for like an adult reading this i feel like it draws on your like when you were younger and sort of the you could you can kind of let your mind go to a more creative place where oh what would it be like to be an animal and and kind of the how how would they each be different like how are their sort of is different animals like an ant or a goose or whatever and he, he does it all very well and it's interesting but there's also like a meaning to it all and there's a kind of a there's more depth to it than probably a, a kid will probably pull out of it I, I, mm-hmm. that's kind of what i got from it um but yeah like you said it could be this could be done really poorly and awkwardly um but that's not that's not this book. Um, it's funny, kind of the most famous scene. If you think of the sword and the stone, the pulling out of the sword from the the stone, you know, right? It's a very small part of the book. It's very, you know, it's at the end. It's a not an, I wouldn't say an afterthought, but it's a very. I was expecting more build up and payoff from that, and that might be in the later next book. Um, What were your thoughts? Were you expecting that more to be? I I was expecting it to be at the end, but it was it's not a very big part of the book. Yeah, it's really kind of a couple pages.
1: He hits it because I think it's necessary to set up in book two, he's king and we go from there. Mm -hmm. No, what's interesting about this one is it hit it it kind of fills in the gap. Because in most Arthur stories, you get the circumstances of his birth, right? Mm -hmm. He was born in secret to King Uther. Merlin puts him at the doorstep of King Hector where he grows up. And then the next, the next thing they talk about is pulling the sword from the stone and you go from there. So what the book, The Sword and the Stone, does, it fills in kind of, it allowed T.H. White to kind of play around with what an ideal, like he's messing around with, okay, what would be the ideal education for someone who's going to be a king or for anybody? You have this really wise wizard tutor and you get to go, he expanded on that middle part. Which usually the legend, it hits, it, they skip this part and it just goes from from
0: birth to the, pulling the sword. Eh. It's also interesting, this book does not feel dated at all. Um, no. In fact, um, if if you read, I don't, we don't, I don't, you, you might read more than I do about this. But if you read, I, I feel like you read a lot of fantasy or maybe, um, yeah, fantasy, I guess. I feel like this book has influenced a ton of fantasy. Like, I, I feel like there's parts of like Harry Potter that are very heavily influenced by this book. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. just well, sort of, just sort of Arthur's or or warts, um, relationships sort of like not his real family, so to speak. Oh, um, that's a, yeah. That and, dynamic there, the animals, the importance of that sort of growing up and, and learning, um, coming of age, that kind of story. Um, I would I would imagine that this book has influenced many, 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 many books. Oh, yeah. uh, well, so forgive me,
1: I might have told this story on here, or story. I, I read an anecdote uh, a year or two ago, but I'll do it again. So when Harry Potter first came out, somebody accused J.K. Rowling, you know, oh, this, you're actually the Harry Potter character, kind of a s- slim, raggedy kid with glasses actually she stole that from uh neil gaiman mm. i think in one of his comic books he had a really skinny character with glasses and that's neil gaiman about it and he he's was, he was being gracious he, he was saying you know what i think we actually both stole from th white yeah right and so he just meant they just both were very influenced by the character of the war yeah. who's a skinny kid with glasses who's meant to who has a destiny bigger than his orphan child right so that's you know yeah i think it really has influenced modern fantasy in a good way right it's just so good that people can't help but kind of pick from it
0: yeah i would say yeah just um the aspects that the the i don't know i think it's a it's a crowd-pleasing book and weird like it's it seems like a hard book to be like pick holes in maybe like the plot isn't as developed or i don't know but just
1: really yeah whatever
0: you almost have this sense. I don't know if you got this just like kind of like, you almost want to just smile while you're reading it because the humor and the sort of the adventure. Um, It's just sort of like a well-known story, but retold in a way that feels fresh and new and and mm -hmm. life in it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well,
1: yeah. Go ahead. Uh, If you're a good enough writer, I think that's one of the benefits of like picking from myth. Right. You can kind of add a lot of your own stuff to it. If you have enough to say, or you have a worldview or something you want to kind of play with, you know, you can take an Arthurian legend and put your own because you'll see like this whole like the 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 this is childhood. And then the tone does change as you get to the the further on in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh the next one is kind of about loss of innocence. Right. Arthur's king, Merlin has to go away, uh, somebody like Merlin asked him do you remember being turned into all these animals and he like no I don't you know he's got bigger care so it's kind of, and then as you get for like the end the fourth book is kind of when Arthur's old and about to die and that's kind of the old age winter years, and so it's very purposeful like this first one about childhood is delightful. And there's still a humor, the narration tone, it changes and shifts. You can, it's still kind of that airy British iron, irony wow. type. It, it's still fun to read. It's just, it does get more serious and you can kind of see it as, so he's got something to say about how pe- people are taught, people's worldviews, how humanity is, at war, actually. So you can, that, that's one of the good things about myth, I guess is my point, is you can take this ancient legend and kind of mold it to your own thing, if you're a skilled enough writer. Mm-hmm
0: yeah i i really enjoyed the part where it's and this would be i i would guess where it's kind of directed to poor sort of kids like how do you learn to be i think th white's sort of concerned with like how do you be a good person like how do you you know lead a good life in a way i know that's not really the, the arthur story is a kind of a different kind of aim to that you know it's more of adventure and stuff like that but there's a lot of it in this first book about you know what do you do when you come up against adversity or you know, um and the way that kind of Wart learns about that it's kind of it's it's fun like it's interesting but there's a you know a subtext to it about like how the ants are living or how the you know how he perceives the world of you know geese and and whatnot and it's all very cleverly done I would say about the point he you know getting to is. It's it's not just uh, you know black and white. It's done in a very entertaining way, I guess is a way I'll put it. Where it's not boring, it's not like heavy handed, but it's you know it, it's meaningful. His story is meaningful, which is kind of what you want, right? Yeah.
1: Um, well, the best ways to do it, right? If you got something serious to say, wrap it up in some entertainment.
0: Um, what were your uh, your favorite parts of um, The Sword in the Stone, going through it?
1: Well, my favorite scene, I think, was when King Pellinor fights Grummer Grummerson. I was going to say that. That that's is one, there like, with... <laughs> <that's> <laughs> one of the funniest scenes. I mean, that's right? up there with P.G. Woodhouse for yes. just funny British, like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to describe King Pelinor, but it's just so funny. And I, it's probably pretty hard to describe. To make a fight scene slapstick to where you can almost see it happening, but he he describes it so well. Feels like a bit like Monty Python in a way. Python, it's almost kind of like kids how kids fight, but it's these two like middle-aged knights in armor jousting with each other. It's so funny.
0: Yeah, it's (laughs) yeah, it's it's hard to describe. Sort of when you're reading it, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like brilliantly done in a, like a comedic sense like i was not expecting that um and i think we both agree like doing humor is really tricky and really hard and not a lot of authors lean into that right mm. because i don't you know maybe there's a lot of authors aren't are pretty serious people and maybe their sense of humor is not the best right. uh but to get it done so well is just i you know it's just mm. fantastic and i would say that's probably my the scene i will remember most um But I think you'd appreciate, and I was trying to remember, what was your brother's point about Wart's progression through, because Merlin's kind of teaching him lessons along the way by, you know, he has to be an ant, all these sort of different animals and creatures. What was your brother's point? I I can't remember exactly what it was, but it had like a very. You're saying it mirrors the
1: societal structures too. Like agrarian stuff and then arthur becomes king of a nation state so it kind of mirrors the the progression of,
0: of okay centuries. so yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like that's i would not have thought of that yeah. um but it, it seemed like a um it's kind of like there's no he's not you don't see any scenes where he's like taking classes per se right this isn't like harry potter where he's in different like Spells like you know magic school. He's just got a one-on-one tutor. He has a one-on-one tutor, but I always I felt like these like things where he's becoming different creatures are his classes and becoming who he
1: who who will become.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's kind of a, a kind of an interesting way of going about that. Sure. So well, his classroom scenes. Um.
1: Well, side note. I mean, he wouldn't have a class if you want to talk about what the like ideal education is. Yeah. younger a father who's trying to educate your kid, it, would be, it wouldn't be to put him in a class with a bunch of other kids. If just in theory, you, if you were king and had all the resources, you would take all the best teachers in a subject and bring them to you and have them just teach your kid. I mean, Alexander the Great's tutor was Aristotle, right? You would bring Aristotle to you and he would train your kid and his little friends who were going to be his generals. Right. So that's the idea. So I know so in this one, it's Merlin, a wizard. Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful wizards would just teach your kid and, you know, K. So that's the ideal education is just a really wise person can focus just on you. I think it's kind of what he's getting to. Like the ideal education would be you immerse yourself in, you know, life experience, start with animals. In the war, it's a very empathetic person anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that would make the best king is somebody who empathizes with, you know, every all the creatures even below him, those below because he's going to be king and be above people to so put on a pedestal. So somebody who has empathy for animals and the creatures of the earth would make a good king. I think that's part of why he's going for too.
0: my favorite thing. Merlin's a fantastic character, but my favorite <laughs> thing Merlin's telling war and it's near the end and war is kind of at this point sad about I can't remember exactly what, but. And Merlin goes, the best thing for being sad is to learn something. That is the only thing that never fails. I think later on in that paragraph, learn why the world wags and what wags it. That is the only thing which the mind can never exhaust, never alienate, never be tortured by, never fear or distrust, and never dream of regretting. Learning is the thing for you. And I was like, oh, you know what? Sometimes it's good to be reminded of that kind of concept. Maybe <laughs> like, that's. You know, it's, it's sort of an obvious thing, but that's, it's, I like that. <laughs> it's a uh, it's good good message, right? Yeah,
1: I had that highlighted too. That's one of the best quotes in the whole book, just as far as, it was very refreshing.
0: Yeah, sometimes
1: yeah. I think
0: it, it, you can be very cynical in life and reading and stuff like that, but sometimes you got to be open to those, you know, that's heartfelt kind of message in a book, sort of directed, I guess, you know young people but any you know anybody at any age can always get a reminder that uh, of kind of a life lesson and um, yeah that was my my favorite Merlin sort of quote or mm. you know sage advice to our, to our hero so but any other uh, passages Matt that you caught your eye or
1: uh, I really liked when he gets turned into a fish and they meet the big old fish mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good articulation of kind of what power is and what it does to a soul yeah weird way you know like uh yeah i don't know how to describe it They, they just meet this the king of the moat when merlin and arthur get turned into a little fish uh but there is nothing said the monarch except the power which you pretend to seek power to grind and power to digest power to seek and power to find power to await and power to claim all power and pitilessness springing from the nape of the neck love is a trick played on us by the forces of evolution pleasure is the bait laid down by the same there is only power power is out of the individual mind but the mind power is not enough power of the body decides everything in the end only might is right you know the fish kind of goes on and then gets tired of arthur and tries to eat him it was just a little and it's a kid's book it's very light and airy until you kind of run into and i think that's supposed to be kind of a warning for the future king like this is what power will do to you if you're in it for selfish reasons it'll corrupt and
0: yeah. I, I like that part with the old kingfish. Um he, the the story with the ge- geese goose is very interesting about yeah. like his he comes into that encounter with some sort of some notions that are are foreign to the to sort of geese in general. Uh and the lessons he learns there are very interesting. I don't know. It just along the way, each set there's no like weak point, I feel like, in the in the sword and the stone. There's no lull i guess um yeah i would um so far right now like ones mm-hmm. the future king is on hopefully i told your brother i was gonna get this done by august and that's still my goal but so we're not gonna do part two in a year okay um so i i don't know why i took a such a long delay because it is it's kind of right up my alley I, I love the tone of the book the writing um you kind of sometimes I don't know if you notice sometimes when you're describing like the the scenery in England there's some sort of you can tell there's like a, an importance to I don't know I don't know if England or just sort of the landscape and you know what is home I guess I, that's just a sense I got sort of the connection between the characters and England yeah. uh yeah and I think that's in, what yeah in in the in sort of a, like a romantic sense I would say. Um, just how he describes the scenery and sort of what it means. Um, and I, I'm kind of a sucker for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that kind of writing in patches, so yeah. I think
1: he was able to do that because he, you know, he's British and he grew up in the British countryside and he was able to ring his own Kind of nostalgia for that era and pour it into the book and even like we didn't grow up in england but we uh, had a childhood and you can kind of i empathize with it's like uh what what's a fa- uh, stand by me right yeah. he, stephen king and those guys it's the 50s you know the sandlot is with that too. for those type the people who wrote those screenplays it's the fit that was their childhood and you can empathize with that we didn't grow up in the 50s but there is something about somebody who can bring up the, the, those kind of ghosts of their own childhood and pour it into a work
0: it's universal if you capture the essence of childhood and i don't know if they, i'm using this term correctly or if this is this kind of part it has like a romantic feel to it all and mm-hmm. not sort of like the romantic you know love story but just a a love for for time and place It's the sense of big, yeah, and that's something. I don't know if I've ever like really pinned down, be like, oh, I love that in a story or aspect in a story. But I think that plays a a good, good part in why I like the story so much is the the romantic aspect of time and place, and and I don't know. It's just kind of a great story so far. Now we we've only read one book, and we'll see how it goes from here. But um, (laughs) I'm sort of curious. I was going to ask you if you were curious too, or if you ever had the inkling to read the original Arthur, Arthurian legend um, written. Mm. Well, I don't even know exactly when that is it's hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Or to Arthur. Yeah. Uh, it, it see what he pulled from that to this and sort of the, I would, I would Yeah. probably bet the tone is completely different. Um, but I was just curious, did you ever have the inkling to read the original King Arthur.
1: Yeah. Yes. In the same way, I kind of want to eventually read War and Peace and Proust and all that. It's like, yes. I, and I really do. I just don't know if it's like coming up soon. But yeah. Well, and I do gather he he got the structure and kind of the beats of the story from is it Edmund Spencer?
0: Uh Thomas Mallory. 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 Mallory.
1: Uh yeah. So he, he kind of took the structure and the basic story from Mallory and he obviously added his own tone but what happens in the love triangle with Lancelot and Guinevere and, and uh what's his face is uh you know all the other the, the Lancelot
0: character.
1: not Lancelot uh what his kid who's bad. no not why am on. I I'm blanking on the the bad guy hey, whatever so he got all those the beats and stuff from from Mallory but it's his own tone it's his own spin and it's a uh, you know a guy
0: in the 1930s and 40s, you know. Doing and I t- think you can make a case like if you're reading this book. um it's Historically speaking, it's interesting when it was written and what it's about and it takes place between two world wars or just on the, uh, you know, almost on the outbreak of World War II. I think there's definitely if you were in college, you could definitely write a paper about this and the Historical connections between the book and I don't know how much of that was influenced D.H. Uh, White, but it's definitely something you could kind of play with and sort of delve deep yeah. into and look at the symbols and stuff like that.
1: It'll become more explicit the further you get. When you get to that last book, it'll be more explicit. You know, Tolkien was like, "Don't compare it to World War II. It's not yeah. an allegory. Mm-hmm. This is not that. This is." I think he's meant for you to draw some. Okay. To to fascism.
0: Sometimes the author can say all that, but just, you know, the text is the text and you can have, you can, you know.
1: Well, I haven't agreed with Tolkien. It's it's more that it's not that, but this is that, but that's not good or they don't need to be compared to each other. I'm just saying, you'll, and you'll see. It's pretty explicit there. (laughs) Pretty explicit. It's like you'll get it. We do need to get into. The versions, because there are some drastically different versions of it. i was it. curious because I read, and I don't yeah. know exactly which version. I think you got the American one because you said the geese and the ants, right? Yes. Okay. So I read that in the copy that I read a year ago when we picked it. Yeah. He gets turned into a goose and an ant. And you missed there's no wizard duel. He has a wizard duel with Madame Mim. Oh, yeah. They don't have that. They
0: were- so
1: the British, I found the audiobook and I listened to it recently. And it was the original British version from, I believe, 1938. And he gets turned into a snake. And instead of the instead, snake, instead of ants. Okay. And a, a owl. And he goes off with Archimedes, Merlin's owl. I think he does that too. Or... Huh? I think he does that too in this one. He goes to visit Athena and talks with trees instead of the geese. Okay. And Robin, they lose the arrow with Kay and Wart, and it kind of ends weirdly and abruptly in this. Okay. But in the British one that I listened to, they go on and they get kidnapped by a witch, Madame Mim, who tries to cook and eat them. Huh. But they get away, Merlin rescues them at the last minute. And there's like a little wizard duel if you've ever seen the Sword in the Stone cartoon it's it's in the cartoon Okay the yeah, yeah 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 The wizards fight each other by turning themselves into different creatures and whichever creature you know what I mean so there's
0: I didn't realize there was that big of a difference between the like editions. The ant part and the geese part are are good Yeah but
1: for the life of me they shouldn't have taken out the Madam Mim part And there's actually a part at the very end where Merlin and Arthur go to mis- visit uh the giant Gallipus. There's a whole other adventure that they just took out. Huh.
0: Um, That's very interesting.
1: And it's so and what happened with there's a fifth one called The Book of Merlin that came out right around World War II was ending, and the American publishers wouldn't publish it because it was pretty explicitly anti-war. And they just insisted like we're not publishing this anti-war thing at World War we just won World War II. So he took some stuff, some scenes. He wrote the ant the geese scene for the book of Merlin, Arthur dies or, you know, he goes underground, like legend, he's not dead. Mm-hmm. He's gonna come back. Anyway, he goes underground and all his animal friends are there and he has more animal adventures. And so he, to try to rescue the book of Merlin for the American publishers, I'm a bit hazy, mm-hmm. he cut out a bunch of sword and the stone stuff and put the ants and the geese into sword and stone, Huh? which is too, it's, it's too bad. I really wish American publishers would stop messing with British. Like, just trust us with the British fantasy.
0: We'll, we'll get it. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a little bit more research to see what exactly, because I have the publication dates, but I don't have.
1: I think the, the American version or the version that published in the 50s altogether is the American version, and they cut out
0: some pretty good stuff. So I have the. This is the last one. 1958 arrangement with GP Putnam and Sons. This mass market edition came out in 1987. Possibly this sort of maybe not the exact copy, but was sort of the format. Um, I, I'll have to. I don't know exactly which edition I have. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'll have to do. No, I'm it pretty over.
1: sure if you you have the the so, updated. Because okay. if you if you miss the snakes and the and the and the it was, part, yeah, have it's that. a shame because those are good part. like hmm. really. I, I don't know, I don't know why they don't trust us. You know, they changed the title of the Harry Potter from Philosopher's Stone to
0: the Sorcerer's Stone. And like, you're listening to a podcast about that that sort of has a bigger meaning or kind of look at it, but it went to the background of Harry Potter and. I didn't realize how much of a controversy that, that had when it first, just from the aspect of wizards and like people did not want their kids to learn that, you know, wizards or witchcraft and stuff was like, and I was like, huh. Well, I didn't, I guess, you know, <laughs> different people have different worries, I guess. But uh, yeah, I didn't realize that that was such a big uh, controversy was witchcraft. Well, In my head. They took it out yeah. because of the wizard duel. I don't think that, I think they just. I don't know why, but then yeah, because I, I I might be crazy because you know aliens might be real and the government might might yeah. just be admitting aliens are real. But I always thought um, wizards and witches were uh, not real, Matt. So, <laughs>
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that's the reason they cut the wizard duel. I, it's really, I mean, that is a strange. After, what happens, do you remember, after they go on the adventure with Robin Hood? Do they get, was there the Castle
0: of Lard? I will say. No, I'm like, was there. The griffin is sort of the main, like the bad, the. the he kills the griffin. Yeah. Okay. Um okay. I will say it did feel like. I just had a sense that there were gaps in the story in a weird way like it didn't flow if i had a criticism of this edition Mm -hmm. is that things didn't flow in um it was kind of a little rough in a weird way like it didn't take me out of the story but it was like that's a weird transition from where we were to what's going on now and so you're kind of filling in some stuff that i'm like huh that's odd um and it didn't like bother me or stick with me for long but i would just kind of notice like that's a weird change in the story from mm-hmm. where we were to where we are now. Um, it didn't happen every time, and it, it was just maybe a, you know a handful of times where I thought the story took a not a weird turn, but just almost like did I miss something? Did I not? Did I flip two pages instead of one? Like that kind of feeling. Do you ever get that in the book where you're like, ah, uh, what? And then
1: not I, too much, but the Robin Hood, see, There's a couple. Parts where yeah, it turns out he was kind of forced to edit, huh? But which is too bad. Like stop, stop doing that. Well, like do you know the original title of book two? It was the Witch in the Wood, and, they and now it's it's the Queen of Air and Darkness.
0: I mean, they're both good titles, but like mm-hmm.
1: uh, American publishers, stop. Uh, we we can handle the British. I do
0: like the third book is the Ill Made night. I think that's a good title. And mm-hmm. uh, Handle in the Wind. That's a good title. Is that where that comes from? The, yeah. Is that where the Elton John song comes from? I think it might come from the original Mallory. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but the Queen of Air and Darkness is just a, is sounds good, but I don't know what that that means. Witch in the Woods is a cool title too. Witch I don't the know. The stop crazy. making,
1: stop, stop changing the titles. We can handle Philosopher's Stone. We can handle Wizard Duel. We
0: can handle Witch in the Wood. I'm okay with changing like the the cover and the, having different covers, like the UK sure. cover and the American cover. That's great. I like that. I like mm-hmm. being able to look at different. uh Sometimes I prefer the American cover. Sometimes I prefer the UK cover. Or where, but
1: we can wherever. handle. But we can don't change the, the title. We can, the same. we can handle. Keep the title. We can handle it. It's like analytics uh, people. Just stop messing. With, stop
0: messing with stuff. Mm. Uh Matt, I don't have any more stuff to praise. <laughs> um apologize to the listener to you, Matt, for uh, taking a year to read this first 200 page book. Oh, it's all right. Um but I am eagerly uh ready to finish um the rest of it and, and we will um probably break this up. Up into a couple more parts as we as we as i make my way through the rest of the book um, one or two more one yeah. or two more um but i'm curious to for people who have read this book when were they first introduced to it and i feel like and there's some blurbs that kind of reference this i feel like this is a highly re-readable book um it seems like a book that would encourage people to come back to it and especially if you read it as a young uh, you know, teenager or whatever, come back to it every few years, uh, and I'm just curious if people, if that's the experience though, that our, that our listeners have with this book.
1: Uh, yeah, let me add on to that. I'm curious if you read it as a kid or not,
0: because
1: hmm. for me, for whatever reason, I grew up with Narnia and Tolkien and uh, uh, the Wrinkle in Time and all those things. For whatever reason, I totally missed this. Yeah. And maybe it's the adult content of the, the rest of them, but Sword in the Stone seems like a perfect kid's book. Like I plan on reading it to my kid when he's old enough. So I'm curious if you, the, the listener, read it as a kid and what you thought of it then and as an adult. And
0: all that. I also think when I think of this book, I also think you would remember the edition you had you' know, yeah. you're like you remember like, oh I had this great edition and the binding was broken, but I just kept rereading it you know the summer I was 14. I feel like there's some this is a, a book and story that would lend itself to just be like, oh yeah, I just I read that book three times that summer just and then you would remember sort of the edition you had because this book has been published many many, many times. Uh, but yeah curious about that too is there like some cool 80s version that you read or 90s or 70s or yeah did you read your father or your mother's version you know one of those books where you like you go into your parents like or your parents bookcase where you have a whole, sort of the quote unquote adult books you pick whole book down you're like ah I wonder what this is and then you read it and you're like you remember that edition that might just be me but <laughs> I don't, let it yeah so let us know if that happened with you and yeah we have a um good good to have part one done matt right yeah uh i like the idea of doing some more uh talking about analytics over on our patreon if you're curious we are doing our thriller uh corner over there still um cabinet of curiosities is the our current thriller Um so if you're interested in supporting us um uh, check that out it doesn't cost a lot of money and you get bonus content over there bonus uh stuff we write about um talk about sports books we talk about thriller books talk about a lot of stuff over there so die hard, um, yeah. die hard movies we, we do sometimes movies that makes me watch a movie we talk about that I still need to watch what movie do I need godfather, godfather. yeah we'll see about that I've had that godfather if you think I've taken me a while to read uh, the sword and stone I think I've had the godfather for two years uh, DVD. he has my dvd I know I, and you know Matt's a big dvd guy so that's you didn't have internet, you could have been watching The Godfather, but I have that. Um, and Matt, we have a lot of books on our TBR right now. Uh, so if people are wondering, are you guys going to read fantasy books? No, we got Nights nice and Rodanthe coming up. That's going to be <laughs>
1: yeah. That's going to be
0: over there. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. We have The Sun, another Philip. Excited. Yeah. Mayer book, Meyer book I can't remember how you pronounce it but a lot of good stuff over there we got two baseball books that we're going to be reading over on our Patreon so um, a lot of good stuff uh, as we uh, come up on August and uh, yeah any uh, final thoughts man, on our books that we're reading anything you want to add do you want to add a book tonight you want to read it? Uh,
1: you want I, to add the original
0: put that as a seasonal one I did
1: get a lot of. Uh, I mentioned. I just I kind of a throwaway post on Twitter about the Ducks Newberry Port book. I was like, "Hey, I have this, but I'll probably never read it." A ton of people came, like twenty or thirty people, were like, "It's
0: excellent. You have to read this." I I I, uh, I saw <laughs> you know? that. Yeah, and um, uh, I feel like we get that many people recommending a book. Not
1: adding it now. We we can't.
0: A thousand page books with no paragraphs, Matt.
1: So many, I was shocked. So many people were like, no, it's excellent. Like people who, people we kind of know on Twitter and whose opinions I trust were like, this is good. Yeah. Although Cameron yeah. did say, uh, I didn't get it. And I was like, thank
0: you. <laughs> thank you. I can't. <laughs> you thought so, you were taking crazy pills? You know, I. Not everyone can love this book. Yeah. Now A lot of people did. It's like, all right. All right. Well, we, I feel like we're, you know, as a podcast, as readers, we uh, finish life recommend anymore. a book. We do have to finish Life That's, That's a two-year project different. right now. Okay. Um, so, but okay. but I, I love nothing more than adding books to our TBR.
1: I'll you hang bookstore. on to Ducks, Newberry, Port, Ducks, Port, Newberry,
0: and I, I'll maybe. If I see it somewhere, it. I'll, I'll pick it up. Pick it up. At a used bookstore, I will pick it up. Because... Okay. It's, it's, I think it's in the stables right now. It's not official selection, Matt, but you have to watch The Godfather. We have to do, oh, uh, have to do Life and Fate and Master Margarita. Oh, yeah.
1: This Sword and Stone and add a book for August and it, 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 it,
0: much, many things. Hey, you know what? But it's, you know, nothing's too serious. But uh, we appreciate you listening and uh, we will be back next week.